Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to the claw. Oh, this Thursday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Happy Thursday to you. What's yes. going on with you? You right? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Finally got that Kevin Durant debut over. <laughs> So that's finished. You make it sound like you make it sound like a trip to the dentist, Campo. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm just I am. Uh, I've been waiting for a long time for that debut. A long time we, we waited for that. Yes, we were, and it's here. And you just heard the update a second ago, and I, I got to admit, I'm kind of surprised by this. Kevin Durant is available tomorrow against the Chicago Bulls. I, I had this feeling that maybe he wouldn't be. That they would, you know, in yeah. the interest of bringing him along slowly, maybe they would manage that injury a little bit and give him a day off. Sounds like he's going to play tomorrow against Chicago. I think I think he'll get some days off. I think you obviously you look at the uh, you know the back to backs because they've got three of them coming up now for the rest of the season. So these those could be opportunity. But it was a non stressful game. It was a very stressful game for for Kevin Durant of the Suns. I mean, he played a little bit more minutes than he expected to play, but not surprised at all that he's going to go out there and play tomorrow. Again, very un, unstressful game for the Suns. All right, let's not beat around the bush. It's obviously our top story of the day. Let's weigh in on it here on the Burns and Gimbo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Bounce pass Williams. He's blocked by Durant. It's taken by Thor. He put it off the rim no good. And Chris Paul gets the board. There's the first rejection from KD. And now he gets it open on the left side for three. And that is all met for Kevin Durant. Devin Booker set him up and KD knocked it down. <laughs> I played that one in particular. Because if you go back and you look at that, that was early in the game. That made it 7-0 right there. Booker puts his arm in the air and turns around and starts walking away before Durant has even released the basketball. Right, Booker's just like, yep, that's going down. I'm going to walk away back to the other end of the floor right now. Suns win last night. They beat the Charlotte Hornets 105-91 in the debut of Kevin Durant. 23.6 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks, 27 minutes. The numbers that we set up in terms of the over-under, very close. He got the over on points, just under on the minutes. What did you think? What were your first thoughts watching that game last night? My first thought was, you may not believe this, but my God, I was bored out of my mind. That was a boring <laughs> basketball game. Like, that's my first thought. I mean, we put so much energy into this big debut for KD. And, I mean, and listen, it was great to see him. It was great for him to play. Boy, that team is terrible. God, that's one of the worst teams in the league. They're playing four guys that are 22 or under. Thor's 20. McGowan's is 20. Williams is 21. Jones is 22. I mean, man, they, 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 they've got they got 20 wins and 44 losses. Only Detroit's worse. Ben was terrible. So my first thought is, my God, this is a boring basketball game. I don't know how many other people thought like that. It was good to see KD. Like, I'm not saying that wasn't good to see him get out there. But damn, they, man, that, was a, that was a good landing spot for KD and the Suns because you know that Charlotte team's terrible. And that's, and that's I guess, my, my nicer way of putting it. And I, I don't disagree with you. It wasn't the best basketball game in the world, but I wasn't expecting a great basketball game because they're, I know they had won five straight, but 
Charlotte's bad. All right. So it, that that was the first thing I thought was that in terms of handpicked games for Kevin Durant to make his debut, that was the perfect one because that's the softest landing you could have possibly chosen. Right. Like no pressure. No. Stress. Like, can you imagine if his debut had been Sunday against the Milwaukee Bucks? All right. That's a, even without Giannis. That's right. a rock hard landing spot. It's You're going to hurt yourself. High pressure game. Yep. Oh, total high pressure national televised. This was Wednesday night. Charlotte, yeah, there was some more national media there than maybe there would have been otherwise. And there were certainly plenty of Suns fans there. But that was, it, it was, it was a boring game, but I, I think it was deliberately so. I think that was very, very intentional by the Suns to choose that game as the one he would make his debut. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe that was part of it, right? To to intentionally find a game, soft landing type game, not a lot of pressure situation, very relaxing. I mean, that, you couldn't have picked a better opponent. I mean, that's like, you know, maybe we used to play Mike Tyson's punch out. That was Glass Joe. <laughs> the Charlotte Hornets were Glass Joe. God, that's a terrible, terrible basketball team. When, you know, when, when Rozier and Kelly Oubre are your two best players, like, you know, that's not a good team. So, but there was a lot of things. You know, to look at and like. I mean, he played well. Yep. We got to see him, you know, block shots. We got to see how he uses his height to his advantage defensively. Like, there were a lot of things that I thought we could take out of it. And the Suns got out of the gates with that that big lead. I mean, they jumped out of the gates and then they forced the timeout. I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, it's 11 nothing. You know, Suns are like, oh, my God, they're just going to run this team out of the building in the first quarter. And, uh, you know, KD missed his first shot, a mid-range shot. Then he had the driving leg up going to his left and you know I kept an eye on who he was guarding and you know he started off guarding Gordon Haywood he had the nice block on the young kid Williams he hit a three pointer he had another block and then he came out for 615 let's see he came out for Tory came out for Tory Craig mm-hmm. and um so I just really kept my eye on that and how it all played out. But, you know, from the, for the standpoint, it was 11 nothing. And, you know, next thing you know, it's 13 to 12. You know, Charlotte said, okay, we're going to, we're going to put up a little bit of a fight, try to give you guys a little bit of a game. Eventually the Suns won by double digits, which we all expected. Um, but little resistance from Charlotte early. But once they realized they couldn't win the game, I, I don't think the, game, the outcome was a doubt. No, and it was never where it was more about the process and less about the outcome. It was always about kind of how it looked and not necessarily what the results were. Cause I think we all expected the Suns to, to win that game. I, I, I think a few things stood out to me yeah. watching. I mean, number one, you mentioned his defense. You could really see with two seven-footers out there, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, you could really see with a couple of seven-footers out there, it really can change some things about what you do defensively. And Kevin Durant is a guy who maybe doesn't get enough love that he deserves for his defense. I thought he did a nice job clogging things up. I think he did a nice job kind of freeing DeAndre Ayton up to be able to do some other things defensively. I think probably the big thing that stood out to me, and we'll get into this more specifically later was how much everybody struggled beyond Aiton, KD, and Book. Like, I mean, you look at the numbers, they accounted for 80% of the production. Everybody else really struggled in the game, and I don't know if that's a warning sign or if that's something to feel good about, knowing that eventually those guys will play to their capabilities. But I, I think more than anything... 
I was struck by, and this will probably change too to a certain extent, how he was used by the Suns last night. And in particular, in those minutes when Devin Booker wasn't on the floor. He was. He was. And that will always be the case. And how much, even when he's out there with four bench guys, none of whom were carrying their weight at all, by the way, that even when he's out there with those guys, that unit with no Devin Booker on the floor, it's so much better. Yeah. It's so much smoother. They can let's, win those minutes. That, to me, was the number one takeaway from last yeah, night. Let's, let's talk about that. So he comes out at 6.15 first quarter for Tory, right? So he plays five minutes and 45 seconds. He comes out. Book plays until there's about a minute left. No, wait. Actually, Book plays the whole quarter. Um, ish, ish. Uh, I'm just looking at the my, I'm looking at my first quarter note. So he comes out second quarter. He starts. Durant starts with book out with Ish Landale Lee and Payne. So he comes out. You know, midway through the first starts the second quarter. Book doesn't start the second quarter. You know, and then when he comes out of the game, he comes out for book. So to your point. He's in the game with Book to start. He comes out, Book's in the game. Second quarter, KD's in the game, Book's out. When KD KD comes out, Book comes in. That was your first half. They made sure of it. They made sure that, you know, that he was going to, that, that one of those guys was on the floor at all times. Yeah. And then to start the fourth quarter, that to me was kind of the key stretch because with about a, you know, one minute into the fourth quarter, a Kelly Oubre three, it's a six point game. And not that you felt threatened by it, but at that moment, it's KD and the bench guys out there. And he, what, scored nine points in the next, I think, two and a half minutes when it was yeah. all said and done. And, yep. and that's, and that, see, that's what, that's what Chris used to do for this team. He, he doesn't really do that anymore because his shot hasn't been as good this year. It hasn't been as consistent this year. But in those moments when Book's out, you used to rely on Chris and the bench guys at the start of the second and the start of the fourth to kind of make do until Devin Booker could come back. Well, I just traded Chris Paul as the guy who's out there making do until Book comes back for Kevin Durant to make do until Book comes back. That's like a it's like night and day, right? Like it's a world. Of, and, and he was so smooth out there getting his baskets easily, getting to his spots, no problem. That, to me, is going to be the real benefit. Yeah, when Book and Kevin are on the floor together, it's going to present a matchup nightmare. But the fact that you're always, at all times, going to be able to have one of those guys on the floor at all times, thats that, to me, was what was revealed last night. You're not going to lose those non-Booker minutes the way you were before because yeah. Durant's going to be out there. I'm just looking at my notes here. So with a, a minute left in the first quarter, that's when they took out book and ish came into play so at that time you had Payne, landale lee uh tory and ish so it's a very very short time you didn't have anybody out there neither one of those guys out very 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 short time very brief and that's why to me the, the kind of the number of the night if you will there was 12 minutes and 15 seconds of game time where kevin durant was on the floor without devin booker in those 12 minutes Kevin Durant was 7 of 9 from the floor for 16 points, and the Suns were a plus 12. Yeah, it's not going to be like that every night. I'm not saying it's going to be like that every night. But that number to me was the number of the game. He is this 
perfectly warm, comfy security blanket that you can throw out there. When and and not, again, he's bigger than that. He's better than that. That's not all he's about. But that's what really, really impressed me about last night's game, no doubt. Yeah, and I think you know to your point, I think what what that's going to do is that that's going to prevent the team from being able to make you know make those you know ten nothing runs, those twelve four runs, those spurts of six nothing, eight nothing. Having KD on the court, you, you know you're going to be able to get a basket. You know you're not going to go long stretches without scoring and 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 have a team make a run on you as long as one of those guys is on the court. So when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, okay, fine. That was the Charlotte Hornets. Now you've got 19 games left, and trust me, they are not all against the Charlotte Hornets. We'll talk about these next 19 games next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo show on this Thursday afternoon. Suns beat the Hornets last night, 105-91 in the debut of Kevin Durant in the Suns uniform. 23 points in 27 minutes. Devin Booker, maybe the easiest, most effortless 37-point performance you've ever seen. It was just so, it's like, oh, wow, Book's got 37. DeAndre Ayton was really solid, I thought, last night as well. Um, nobody else really shined, and nobody else really needed to shine because it was in the Charlotte Hornets. That is going to change, not necessarily starting with Chicago tomorrow. They're better than Charlotte, but, but the things then start to get, with 19 games to go, Gambo, things are definitely going to take an upswing in terms of the schedule and the degree of difficulty from Charlotte. And that's, I suspect, where we're really going to start to learn a lot about exactly how this is going to work and how it matches up with some of the best in the NBA. Yeah, thank God, because like you know, you're not going to learn anything from that. You're not going to learn anything from that game. You can't watch that game and come away. You come away with nothing when you watch that game. I mean, really, nothing. Schedules matter. I mean, that's the reality. Schedules matter in this league. And, you know, when you play in poor teams like that, it's very difficult to gauge. It's hard to get up for those games and, you know, when you play in bad teams. But when you play in good teams, they'll get up for each other. You get a much better gauge. I mean, you look at the Suns' schedule, you know, going forward, there are, you're, you know, you're going to play a Chicago team that's battling for a playoff spot. You're going to play a Dallas team that's, you know, I, I still believe that Dallas is, 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 is good. You're going to play a Sacramento team a couple of times that they had a three seed. You know, they've been healthy all year. That's been their key. You're going to play Golden State and Milwaukee, you know, good teams. You're going to play the Lakers, who got a nice win last night. They did. They got a nice win without LeBron and AD. Battling for a playoff spot. You're going to play Philadelphia. Uh, so you look at the schedule going through. Denver, you got. You get, Denver, you got twice. twice. The Lakers, you yeah. got twice. The Clippers. The schedule after that, there's like four games, maybe, that you're like, okay, these games aren't too difficult. They'll be okay. The rest of the games, the schedule, like I said, the schedule matters. Charlotte, that you can't take anything away from that game. That was a boring game. That was a terrible game. But you are going to be able to judge this team based on a lot of the games that they have coming up. Yeah, and and I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I'm, I guess for me, the first real one, even though they haven't played well since their trade, it's going to be, it's going to be Dallas on yep. Sunday. That's kind of the first one. That's going to be a big showcase national TV, and you know, man, it's on ABC. You know they're just going to hype the hell out of that because it's going to be Luca, and it's going to be 
Kyrie, and it's going to be Kyrie versus KD in the rematch of the playoffs. And, and, and that one, you know, Dallas has struggled. There's no question. They're still working to find the right fit with Kyrie and Luka and how it's going to work. And they'll figure it out. And then, I, 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 they're I, too talented. Not, they'll figure it out. they got the best player on the planet in Luka. They're going to figure that out. I think they will, too. I just don't like Kyrie as a player. I, I, I just think Kyrie, even though he won a championship with LeBron, I, I just think Kyrie's just too, you know, self-centered when it comes to his basketball prowess out on the floor, and I think that's going to be a problem for them. Uh, Dallas is one. Sacramento next Saturday is going to be another, even though I just don't believe Sacramento's that good. You look at the standings, you have to respect that. Because they've been healthy. Every other team is kind of like outside of Denver. You know, the Clippers, the Suns, the Warriors. The, a lot of teams have dealt with uh, with injuries. Sacramento's been relatively healthy all season long. I mean, there you say, okay, what's you know the you know what's the key to what Sacramento's done? Health. They've been healthy. Those yeah. guys well played. Yeah, there's. I mean, you talk about the back to backs too. I think you mentioned there are three of them coming up. Three left in this final stretch. Okay, look at the first one yeah, at brutal. Golden State on Monday, home against Milwaukee on Tuesday. Brutal. Brutal. Even with Golden State and their struggles. That game's in Golden State. They've played very well at home. Very good at home. Brutal back-to-back. Look at the next back-to-back after that. Sacramento and Philly. At Sacramento, home against Philly. Brutal, right? And so that's that's where in the margins you're kind of looking for how difficult things are going to be for this team because I think we'll learn a lot about those teams. And the big one for me, they play Denver twice. And those are the games where, okay, let's go. Friday, March 31st, against Denver at home, Thursday, April 6th against Denver at home. Those are two games, in addition to Milwaukee and the Philly game, that I think you really, really circle. Like, you really go, okay, those are the games where we're going to find out exactly what this right. looks like and exactly how this works. Look, it's fun to watch that game last night and try to like gain meaning out of it, but the truth is it doesn't mean anything. That game doesn't mean anything. You played the Charlotte Hornets, they're one of the worst teams in the league. They're terrible. They're playing four kids that are 20, 22 or under. That, that doesn't mean anything. And like I said schedules matter and the schedule will matter for the Phoenix Suns in a lot of these games there's not that many gimmies left for the Phoenix Suns that was one last night that's why maybe it was you know maybe to your point maybe it was kind of thought okay let's let's have a soft landing for everybody let's have an easy game and you know you, you play one game earlier you play in Milwaukee <laughs> right. you know on the road at Milwaukee you know that's you know that that's that's the difference. Even though they didn't have Giannis, I, I get it. But that's what I said. You know, with the schedule, the schedule is important, and this is when you'll really gauge it because it doesn't mean anything when you play in the Charlotte Hornets, but it does mean something when you play in the teams that you're going to be keep competing with. It's going to mean something when you play Dallas and Sacramento and Golden State, Milwaukee again. It's going to mean something when you play, you know, Philly. It's going to mean something when you play Denver, the Clippers. Like those games will mean something. So schedules, you have an, an important part of whether a game has a meet, has any meaning or not. All right, so I'm, I'm looking at the, the schedule in its totality now, and if you take out take out teams that are either right now in the playoff race or a game out of the playoff race, and I'm using that to include the Chicago Bulls. They're one game out of the last spot in the Eastern Conference. The Phoenix Suns, over their 19 games, will play one, two, three, Okay, one, hold on. One, two, three, four, five games against teams that are out of it, out of it. Like, just done. All right. San Antonio. Oklahoma City twice. San Antonio once. Well, how could you say Oklahoma City's out of it? Two games out of a play in spot. I just said one game out of a playoff spot. That was the criteria oh, okay. I used. 
Okay. Right? Did All I right. not say one game out of a playoff? I said one game out of a playoff spot. Do you, do you want me to include Oklahoma City? Because I can if you want. I, think, I mean, they're, they're, they're two games they're, out of, I mean, they're... Right, there's 20 games to play, and they're two games out of the play-in spot. I would think that they're in it. Like, I would think they're in it. I, I have two and a half games out of the last playoff spot with Portland and the Lakers both in front of them. So they have three teams they need to jump to get to number 10. But if you want to include them, I think, you know what? Your name's on the marquee. You can name them. That's fine. All right, so Oklahoma City's Ian. That leaves Orlando and San Antonio. Two teams that are truly, truly, truly out of it. But Orlando's only four. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> no, Orlando, yeah. I mean, listen, Oklahoma City's not playing good basketball right now. They've lost four games in a row. Um, they're, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander's a terrific player, but they'll play hard. You know, we'll see. We'll, you'll, we'll see that. They'll play hard. Um, yeah, I, I just think that there's not many gimmies. So that last night was a good game. That was a good that was a good game for them to have that. You know, let's let's work some of this rust out. You know, with KD, let's get him. You know, acclimated, and that was the perfect game. That was like I said, you're playing Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and that's Glass Joe. Yeah, and that's your first opponent. So that was a good one. But now the opponents now now like in the game, you start to face better opponents as you go along, and that's what the Suns are going to do. They're they're not going to face an opponent outside of San Antonio that's worse than Charlotte. That's the only team they're going to play that's worse than the team they played last night down the stretch is going to be San Antonio. Uh, Monty, after the game, talking about setting rotations and minute restrictions and things like that. It's too hard to, it's too early to say where we're going to be because of the restrictions. Um, Kevin's going to be on a restriction for a while, not a long while, but he'll be on it for the you know next week or so at least. Uh, Book's coming out of his restriction a little bit, so he's starting to get his normal allotment of minutes. And then Terrence didn't play tonight, so that's another guy that would be thrown into the mix that can you know help us see where we're going to be. So I think we have a a bit of time yet before we can start to cement anything as far as rotations are concerned. Now, once again, reiterating, Kevin Durant is not on the injury report for tomorrow's game against the Bulls. I, I would have thought they might have sat him on that one, but they're not going to, or at least he's not on the injury report. Terrence Ross is questionable for tomorrow's game against the Bulls with that toe. Landry Shamit is still out, and from what I'm reading on social media, he's still at least another week away before he's going to get reevaluated. I, I have to imagine he is going to be just not a factor in this at all. I mean, he's missed so much time. By the time he gets back and integrates himself, I just I, I can't see him. He's not going to break that rotation. I can't see how he breaks that rotation. I, I just don't see how he how he can with every with all the time that he's missed and everything he hasn't been out there for. So. Um, we'll see. We'll see against the Bulls. We'll see against the uh, the Mavs on Sunday. But yeah, things are definitely going to get a little bit tougher. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, first, let me remind you, as always, during the course of our show, you can text us your thoughts on anything we're talking about. The FanDuel text line It's open for you right now at 620-620-TEXAS. Whatever you want, we'll read the best ones on the air. We have some updates regarding NFL prospect Jalen Carter, and we'll explain why some were not particularly surprised by the news about Jalen Carter. That's next. Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Right, let's rock with the Twitter poll question of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show. We got Eric Ruby standing by. He's going to roll it out there, see where things stand, get our vote. Rubes, what you got today? All right, guys. I'm not sure if you heard, but uh, Kevin Durant played basketball for the Phoenix Suns last night. Him and Devin Booker combined for 60 points against the Hornets. So we're asking, what will their combined points per game be for the remainder of the regular season? 
tease it. Your Jeez, four, I know that. Your, it's a guess. Your four options are under 50, 50 to 54, 55 to 59, or 60 plus points per game. So you think they're going to maybe score 25 plus combined, get up there to 30 plus when you get to 60 plus. I don't know, man. That requires too much thinking for me. I'll let Bernsey answer that one. <laughs> it's simple math. Like last night, 23 um, plus 37 was 60. Okay. What were their combined points? It was my understanding that there would be no math. Um, put me down for 50, 50 to 55 to 59. 55 to 59. That means they okay, both have good. to average like. <laughs> that means they have to average about 28 points per game each. That's uh, that, that. That's kind of the math I was using in my head. Sounds good for Gambo. Put him down for five. All right, Gambo and Bernsey riding with 55 to 59. That is the leader at 36.5 percent. But this one's a close one. In second place at 33.6 percent says they'll combine for 50 to 54 points per game for the rest of the season. 26.1 percent think they're going to go for 30 plus each on average. That's 60-plus points combined. Only 3.7 say they go under 50 for the remainder of the regular season. All right, that's the uh, highlight. want them to win. <laughs> you, don't, you don't care about scoring? I just want them to win. Well, we want that, too. But uh, how they do it will be... Last night, we knew they were going to win. It was a question of how. How it was going to look, how we experienced it and everything. And they did exactly that. Next up, they take on the Chicago Bulls tomorrow. All right, the other big story of the day from yesterday continues to get a little more kind of complicated. Not even more complicated necessarily, but we've got uh, a, a new information when it comes to Jalen Carter. The defensive lineman, the top prospect out of Georgia, surrendered to police in Athens, Georgia on Wednesday night. He was charged with reckless driving and racing in relation to a car crash, a crash that killed his teammate and a staff member of Georgia. That crash was on January 15th. Um, he, according to a report I read, Gambo, um, is already back at the Combine to basically finish up interviews and any meetings. He was never going to do anything on the field. From what I understand, Will Anderson is on the field today if he hasn't already gone. He was never going to do anything on the field, but he did go back to Indianapolis, according to the report I've got, in order to finish up his interviews and the things that he had to do with the team. Yeah, this is, um, boy, this is disturbing, you know. In many, many ways, because a lot of stuff starting to come out about Jalen Carter right now that, again, I mean, you already have this big red flag up and then you're seeing other people and, and you know, that, that somewhat know the kid kind of say that not surprised by this, hardly a shocker. Uh, one AFC college scouting director said there were concerns before any of this. I don't know the details of this one, only that it's pretty bad. Before this, he had a reputation as someone who was never particularly fond of the process. A lot of the questions were like, well, there's nothing criminal, but he may not really love anything about football other than game day. Now, you can't really say there's nothing criminal. Another one said, I think he loves to play football, but doesn't love to work at it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you need to... You need to do a lot of homework on this guy. And it's very possible that he's going to plummet down this draft board. You know, now you do get to a point where somebody says, okay, he's worth the risk because, you know, if you're a good team that doesn't have a lot of holes, you might be able to get a great player uh, because of this. So he could fall and then somebody's going to take him in the first round for sure. Uh, just because, again, I mean, there, there could be a lot of value there, especially for a team that doesn't have a lot of needs because they're really good. Call it the but, Robert Kimdichie thing, right? That's kind of sure, what exactly. happened to the car. Yeah. 
hard. I mean, at some point you say there's just too much value there for us not to take a chance on him. I mean, if you really even want to go bigger picture than that, it's kind of the Tyron Matthew thing, too. Now, I know he went all the way in the third round, but there there comes a threshold for all of these guys, no matter how hot their motor is, no matter what kind of trouble they got into, where right. taking a chance on them is one that's worth taking, you know? And I don't know what that threshold is for Jalen Carter, but it's there. There's no doubt. Well, I'll take it a step further. The year they drafted Kim Dietschy, I'm almost positive that was the year that they went 13-3 and and lost to the Carolina Panthers. I believe you're correct. I think that was the year because they were picking late. They were picking late in the first round. So they go 13-3. and They lose to the Panthers in the conference championship game. And you're sitting there, and here's this kid that Mel Kuyper said is going to be the number one pick in the whole draft. Now, you should never take Mel Kuyper's advice if you're an NFL team, okay? You do your own homework. But you know the the kid's got a lot of talent and everything. He walks out a window and falls 15 feet. Okay, there's definitely something wrong there. There's a couple of screws loose. But here I am. I'm 13-3. and I'm king of the world right now. I'm going to take this kid. I'm going to take him. You know what? Because if it pans out, great. If it doesn't, fine. But I, I can take that risk because I got a good football team. So I can take that risk. The teams that are picking one through 15, they're not good football teams. They're not going to take that risk. They need help. Me, I'm 13-3. and three. I'm in good shape. I got Palmer. I got Fitz. I got Patrick Peterson and Tyron Matthew and Calais. I got this good roster of, t- of players. I don't. I got Calais. I, don't, I can afford to take a risk on Robert Kimdichie. Here's another quote from a, another AFC executive. Same story from Sports Illustrated. Quote, he's just really gifted and with a motor that doesn't run that hot. It adds up to a streaky, unpredictable dude. Close quote. Now, nobody was saying anything like this about him two days ago. They're kind of coming out of the woodwork now. And there's, there's also, we, and you and I both know this, let's share this with our audience a little bit. There's also a little bit of a game that kind of goes on with some of this, right? Like if you're an AFC executive and you're hoping that maybe Jalen Carter will fall to you in the draft, what's one way to try to do that? Say things like, he's just really gifted and with a motor that doesn't run that hot, it adds up to a streaky, unpredictable dude, close quote, in the hopes that maybe that'll damage his stock enough that he'll fall to you. Make no mistake, those games are played this time of year where people are putting misinformation out in the marketplace to try to kind of alter the draft and how things are going to go. I, I, I look, we talked about Jalen Carter a lot yesterday. I had more than one person reach out to me and say that maybe the dream scenario for the Cardinals is to move down from three, make a trade to seven, eight, or nine like we're talking about, and Jalen Carter's still there. And take Jalen Carter at seven. So you get Jalen Carter and you get all the inventory that comes with Lessons moving the risk from three to a certain extent, right? Because you, okay, you take a risk on Jalen Carter, but if it doesn't work out, think about the prime package you're going to get to move down from three to say eight, right? You're going to get a bunch of draft picks. So if Jalen Carter doesn't work out and the Bears can do the same thing, the Bears sitting at one, they could move down to seven, eight or nine. They could still take Jalen Carter and still have a crap ton of draft picks to be able to use. So if Carter's a disaster, they're taking other players and not totally burned on it. It's a lot of players in this draft that you kind of feel like, okay, if I, I would take this player at this position. This is a guy that nobody should know what they're going to do right now. There's a lot of homework that has to be done. They've got to figure this stuff out. You sent something to me today that I did not know about Jalen Carter, and I found it extremely interesting. He was cited for driving 89 and a 45 four months ago. Yep. From the from the incident, from the incident was in January. Um, this incident he got arrested for September of 2022. He got cited for driving 89 and a 45. 
Okay. He got cited. So they pulled him over, and he got he's, he's driving twice the speed limit. He's driving basically 90 at a 45. Gets cited for it. And yet here he is four months later, and he's got misdemeanor charges that he's dealing with, reckless driving, racing in relation to a car crash. I mean, does that not tell you? Like, I'll, like, I'll be honest with you. Most people get a speeding ticket. They drive really slow for like the next year or two. <laughs> like you get a ticket and you just paid a bunch of money. You had to go to driving school. You're not saying, you know, you got to, you're not, you're not pulling away from the police officer and do an 85 and a 50. You know, you, most guy, you get a ticket. You tend to drive slow a little bit. You don't want that second one. You don't want that second ticket. You don't want the points on your license, your insurance going up. Most people think like that. Most yeah. people think normally. Oh my God, I just got a ticket. I can't get another one. No, it's, you know, it's, and here he is in September. He gets cited for driving 80. Nine and a forty-five, and then he, he's possibly drag racing, and like that's a one. That's a big red flag, Bernsey. Yeah. I didn't know that until you sent it to me. But that's something that's got to be considered. It's it's all got to be considered. And honestly, something you said yesterday has really stuck with me throughout this whole thing. About okay, here he is. He's celebrating a national championship with Georgia. He knows he's going to be a top two, top three draft pick, top four draft pick. You gotta know better than to do something like. That you just you, you've got a future to yeah. protect, and I get it. Twenty-two year old guys, twenty-two year old human beings, oftentimes don't think clearly like that. They don't think about their future. They're all just in it for a good time. Not all, but you know what I mean. It's it's. I get there's not a lot of big picture thinking going on at times during that age, but you gotta have a better appreciation of what's at stake and what you can lose. And he's, common sense. He's learning that. Yeah, he's learning common that. Common sense. I mean, anybody should know. You have a lot. You have a lot to risk. Is that you shouldn't be doing anything that could get you in trouble right. when you're that close from cashing in on a gigantic fortune that will set you and your family up for generations like you i mean the common sense would tell you that i don't care if you're 15 or 20 like i mean you you need to know that like something's got to come into play there like the fact that it's not registering with this kid to me is a warning flag now again you do your due diligence let the court uh, let, let this play itself out. He says he's innocent. He's going to be exonerated of the charges. Let's see what comes out. But if you're a team that's interested in drafting this kid, you need to speak to 100 people. You need to speak to 100 people before you make a decision on drafting him. When we come back, there is an upward trend happening, even though it's very early in Major League Baseball. We'll tell you what that trend is, though I bet you can guess next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. If I'm Commissioner Rob Manfred of Major League Baseball, I got two things going on in my head right now. The second one we'll get to in a minute because it's a concern. The first one, I'm putting my feet up on the desk and I'm thinking, okay, so far so good. Runs, batting average up, time of game down. So far, everything, all these rules they enacted in Major League Baseball, they're working. I mean, it's early. We've only played a week's worth of games, not even a week's worth of games. But so far, Gambo, compared to this point a year ago with spring training, or at least relative to other seasons in the past, runs are up, batting average is up, game time is down. That's exactly what they wanted. That's, that's, that's just what the doctor ordered. For some. Or the, or the youth. That's just what the youth of this country ordered. Yeah. 
Yeah, and look, I, look. Give me baseball, but I got to go somewhere. Like two hours, and then I got to go. Well, you and I, look, you and I have said it before. We, we can sit here and be the old guy yelling at people to get off our lawn, you know, and we could do that. But you and I are also both baseball fans. And, I love the changes. I think they're great. And I, I like them, too. And I, I don't mind them at all. And I, I understand that things have to evolve. I'm a big believer in adapt or die. I'm a big believer in sometimes you do have to change. And I want future generations to be able to enjoy baseball. I want baseball to live a very long, prosperous life as a sport. And frankly, I think if they don't make changes like this, I fear that it won't. And so if this is what it takes to make baseball relevant, and let, then fine, do it. Great. I, I Honestly, sometimes if I'm watching a baseball game, I get a little bored. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's Sometimes they can be kind of long, and you're sitting there, and there's not a whole lot going on. If this fixes it, if this changes it, I'm all for it. I have no problem with it at all. Yeah, I, I mean, we've been at a couple of spring training games. We have actually more to go to. I just saw a calendar invite for us to go to another one. And watching that pitch clock was fascinating. Pitcher gets the ball. I mean, the fact that if you're not, the bat is not ready, strike. The pitch is not ready, ball. <laughs> like, I've been fascinated by this. You know, you could throw over to first base three times. As Craig Grealu pointed out to me, I thought it was just two. But it's actually, if you throw over the third time and you don't get the guy out... <laughs> Something happens. Um, forgot what it was, but um, <laughs> he went down the road. You didn't know. I don't remember what that. Trust me, I haven't learned like, all the rules yet. I don't even know what this Get the bag or something. But like, there's a lot. There's a lot of interesting things about it. Like, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by it. I'm encouraged by it. I mean, you know, we. It'll be fun to watch the game at a much quicker pace. It'll be a quicker pace. You don't. You know, you're not going to have a lot of time in between pitches. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Batting averages uh, this time a year ago were 259. Now they're at 272. Run scored per game, an average of 12. Right now, it was 10.5 this time a year ago. The game time, uh, the average spring game last year over the same stretch was three hours and one minute. Right now, the game time is about two hours and 39 minutes. Um, the umpires remain very aggressive in forcing these rules. Uh, you, Joe Mansupply was on our show a couple of days ago. I've got a story here in front of me that Cleveland shortstop Jose Tenya was called out for not engaging the pitcher until there was less than eight seconds left on the clock. Now, it's one thing to do it in a spring game. It's quite another to do it in a regular season game, but something else to consider. And this is always in the back of my mind. 47% of the players in today's Major League Baseball basically grew up on these rules, basically experienced these rules in the minors. So it's not going to come as a shock to them. The ones it's going to come a shock to is the guy who hasn't spent any time in the minors the last three or four years, right? The 28-year-old, the 29-year-old, the 32-year-old who hasn't had to go down to the minors for any kind of re-injury rehab or spend any time down there due to performance. It's going to be a little bit of a shock to those guys. I think everybody else will get used to it very quickly because they've already experienced it on some level or another. Yeah. I mean, we talked to Corbin Carroll and like didn't seem like a big deal when, when we were talking about with Corbin Carroll. Didn't like, seem like a big deal at all. And, you know, the pitchers, obviously there's more time if a ball's in play and then there is like if there's just a pitch and there's a ball or a strike. Because then, then once the pitcher gets the ball back, it's 15 seconds on a ball or a strike, but a ball in play, they had another five seconds. So they, they're cognizant uh, of that. But, it, it, you know, these, these games are averaging, what did we say the other day, 24, 25 minutes shorter? 22 minutes. Roughly, 22 minutes shorter? Yeah, 20, 22 minutes, yep. Yeah, and uh, the, the brisk, brisk game. And I think people, listen, they've made the rules so we don't have to deal with seven 
17 inning, 18 inning games anymore, right? They've changed those rules. You know what? Those were fine. Those rules were fine. We kind of liked them, right? I did. A runner, what, the runner on second base yeah, to the, start the end. Like, that's, that's fine. The ghost runner rule. I liked it. Yeah, I didn't I mean, bother no, me at all. That wasn't a problem. They've expand, they expanded the playoffs. Now, nothing wrong with that. Um, now we just have to see if we're going to be able to watch the games on TV. Well, you know, I was, yeah, I was just going to say, now, if I'm Rob Manfred, okay, so I'm sitting back in my desk. I got my feet up on the table, and I'm thinking, okay, life is good. Games are shorter. We're scoring more runs. And then I sit up when I look at the memo and realize that I've got to hire three new executives to Major League Baseball to take over my brand-new local media department because I have to prepare myself for how exactly my sport is going to regionally broadcast games for 17 teams around Major League Baseball. The financial deterioration of Bally and the AT&T regional sports networks has put baseball in this position where they just announced yesterday they had to hire three different broadcast executives to oversee a brand new department that they've created that's basically in charge with if we don't have regional networks, how are we going to get these games to the masses right because we have to get these games to the masses you have to put them on television how where what does it look like how does everybody make their money which is going to be one of the big things right the diamondbacks are looking at a possibility where they're not going to get their money because bally sports is bankrupt if you're rob manfred the bad news of this almost takes away from the good news of shorter games and higher batting averages yeah i think that the rights fees are you know and people will ask what about basketball well basketball the nba season started you know, back in you know uh, 2022, the rights fees were paid for basketball, for hockey. It's MLB right now that the teams have not got the now the 140 million dollar payment that was missed. Um, that's not the rights fees that these teams are expected to have. That's not the rights fees. So now you get to the point where like, okay, if the rights fees get missed, then March 15th is the big day because on March 15th, um, you know, that's when the creditors can claim that they're in default and the default can be, you know, declared. And then what happens from that point will be interesting. The fascinating thing is, like, if you look at the NFL, I mean, the NFL has uh, broadcasting rights with Fox, CBS, NBC, ESPN, and ABC, even Amazon Prime. So they've got five companies. Now, baseball's different. Outside of, like, if you're the Yankees, the Cubs, the Mets, the Red Sox, they have their own networks for broadcasting. But a lot of these other teams, 14 of them, them, they work regional. That's the D-backs, the Braves, the Reds, the Guardians, the Tigers, the Royals the Angels, Marlins, Brewers, Twins, Cardinals, Padres, Rays, Rangers. Okay, that's all of them. But all those teams are broadcast regionally. So it's much different than like the NFL. So that's where the MLB is just scrambling right now because the fear, and I told you this, the fear is that Sinclair says, okay, we can't make these payments. We can't make these rights payments. We're going bankrupt. Oh, and by the way, we're not going to, because a lot of times when you go bankrupt, you're just reorganizing. You still you still run as a, as a business. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're declaring bankruptcy. We're getting protection from our creditors, but we're not like closing the door. We're still kind of going to operate a little bit, um, you know, until something can be figured out. If they decide they don't want to pay the fifty thousand dollars per game, that's when the major league. That's what major league baseball is preparing for. What if they can't? What if they decide they're not going to broadcast the game? Because then it's got to go to the courts, and it may take a little bit of time to figure that all out. I, and, and I know, I, I think I've said this in the past, and I, I think I, I bugged you when I said this. I, I'm really, I'm not worried about this. I, I don't know why. I'm, I feel like when the season starts, and when it comes time for me to watch the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
I'll be able to watch the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, if something happens between now and then that changes that or threatens that, then I reserve the right to change my mind and say something else. But as of right now, today, March 2nd, 2023, I can honestly say to you, Gambo, that I, I think I think baseball is they'll figure a way out for everybody in these local markets to be able to watch their teams with relative ease and simplicity. I could be wrong. It might be more complex than that. I think they'll figure out a way. It might cost them money. Teams might lose money, and that might be, you know, that for a small, medium market team like the Arizona Diamondbacks, that's a big deal when they don't have that money. I don't want to minimize that part of it. I'm just talking about it from a fan standpoint. From a fan standpoint, I think we'll be able to watch these games fine. I think baseball will figure it out. Don't know how, but I think they'll figure it out. Yeah, and then, like I said, baseball has extremely high ratings because they're in the summer. Extremely high ratings, which is why their rights fees are a lot more than the NBA. So their rights fees are a lot more. Their window is longer, you know, to four hours compared to three. They're playing, they go in the summer where there's no competition, just reruns. Um, and it's a longer season. I think that the, the feeling on, with the teams that are, that, that are run by Bally's is yes, you may take it, you know, short term, you may take it in the shorts and, not have your money, but what you're hoping for is through streaming services, which MLB is going to start to get into, that you may be, maybe, may be able to make that back in the long term. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the goal is to turn a landfill into a landmark. How is that process going for the Arizona Coyotes? We welcome President and CEO Javier Gutierrez in studio next on the Burns and Gambo show.